Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Road, the Ramble Series podcast. I am your host, and with me today, I have a very special guest, Walter Benaziak. Did I get your last name right? Benaziak, yeah, you Benaziak. got it pretty much. Pretty, pretty much, okay. <laughs> I, it's I've heard so much worse. I've heard, I've heard it all, believe me. Well, and I've heard your name numerous times. Actually, literally, just moments before this recording, I went to your YouTube channel and like got a couple of your clips, like having you pronounce your name anyways. Ask my wife. I pronounce things wrong all the time, so, but, okay. No problem. Walter, uh, this is exciting. So tell me a little bit about, well, actually, that's a terrible way to intro, because you are like, a legit YouTube creator, okay? So uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, and, and more importantly, or humbly, I should say, you actually listened to my podcast, which I thank you. I mean, it's really kind of you to even listen to me. So so I first uh, heard you on, uh, well, obviously, the, the Going the Distance, because I'm a huge Rocky fan. I think I did a a video with my coworker, Tamara. She had a, a, a series called Tamara's Never Seen. She grew up not seeing, like, all these huge movies, so one of them was Rocky. Yeah. And I was like, I got to be on that episode. So I joined her for that episode <laughs> and we shared it out on Twitter and stuff. And I think you contacted her on there if we're trying to get her to listen to the the podcast or something. I was like, well, I'm a Rocky fan. Like, let me That's listen to right. that. I forgot. That is so that is crazy. Isn't that weird? OK, I remember that this was like the early days of this is sort of like before people were doing reaction videos to like movies and stuff. This was Kind of like you're like an early adapter of that. That's right. I forgot that was you guys. She's still uh, doing everything for the channel. I mean, she does a lot of different stuff. She mostly streams on our our Twitch channel, the Channel Awesome Twitch channel, and she's also in Nostalgia Critic, which that that's like the big flagship of our channel. So okay. she's a, a main character on there. Plays a whole bunch of different roles in the skits that my coworker Doug creates for her and everything. So she's still very active in the uh, in the community. <laughs> Can you explain? everything you're part of essentially i mean you go to your website and, you, and then you're like you're on this and you're on that and you have like fan scription and awesome channel and tell the listeners what it is what it is you create for uh, for youtube okay so uh i got involved with channel awesome i think about 2016 channel awesome used to be like a conglomerate of creators but now it's just more focused on just like our in-house people doug walker who is the nostalgia critic a lot of people know who he, who he is in like the nerd quote-unquote community he reviews movies from like like when he was growing up uh, as uh, this character who is like very loud and like overdoes everything basically he uh got popular in like i want to say like the late late 2000s late 2000s early 2010s is when he kind of blew up so he's been doing it for a long time uh, and that kind of started the the ball rolling on the channel awesome channel i got involved some years later like i said 2016 to do a show called awesome comics which at the time was on our YouTube channel where we would review movies or talk about like the current news topics in uh, the uh, comic movie kind of community. Um, so that was really fun. I moved on to do a show called Top 5 for the Channel Awesome where I just counted down things. My first two videos were actually the best and worst performances of Sylvester Stallone, so that was fun. Awesome, I um, yeah. Yeah, those are really fun to put together for a while. So after that show ended, uh, I started Fanscription, and the first episode of that was what if Apollo Creed didn't die in Rocky IV, so yes. you can see a theme happening. <laughs> I'm still doing Fanscription. Kinda, I was taking a break for uh, earlier this year, but uh, we're going to get back into it next month. So that's just a what-if show where it's you know asking a what-if question, changing a movie, and rewriting the story. And we have like artists come in and do concept art for us and stuff, so it's really fun. We get to write dialogue and have our coworkers come in and do voices. So that's the main thing I'm doing right now. I also do Twilight Tober Zone, which is 
every day in October, uh, I review an episode of The Twilight Zone, the original series. And I do Bat May, which is uh, every day in May, I do a review of an episode of Batman, the animated series. So I do a lot of stuff, <laughs> uh, a, lot, a lot of hats that I wear at the channel where I'm, I'm hosting, writing, editing, a lot of different stuff. I also make occasional appearances on the Nostalgia Critic Show and stuff like that. So it's a lot of stuff at the same time. Wow. Okay. So people have said, hey, Ryan, you got a lot of shows because I do Rambo and Rocky and I do another podcast called The Worst of the Best. And look at this guy. <laughs> do you have Do you have a job or is this your... Is this- this is my job, yeah. Okay. I was going to say, there's uh, no way. There's no way you can... No way, no. Because <laughs> I know... like, this is, my, this is my side hustle now. This is, this is my full-time job. Well, good for you. Well, good for you for making that work. Thanks. Unlike you, I don't have enough of anything, any listeners or what have you, to uh, get the ad revenue or, or downloads. And this is certainly a hobby for me. I couldn't... I could... If I, if I had lived off my podcasting hobby, my wife would, uh, well, she would leave me, and rightfully so, because I wouldn't oh, be able no. to support the family. <laughs> i got to have a real job. So, uh, sure. No, but that's good for you that, that you're able to make that work for you, because then you get to do what you love. What is it? If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life or whatever that is. So. Right. I mean, I could, I could testify that I definitely still work. It feels like work sometimes, sure, for sure. But uh, most of the time, I mean, it's better than 99.9% of other jobs out there, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, getting to talk about things that I love. It's just, I think the things that are weighing heavy on me now are the the month-long things because that just takes a lot of research and a lot of time to write 31 episodes or reviews of, of like Batman and uh, Twilight Zone. So I'm looking forward to winding those down over the next couple of years. Have you, we discussed something in our chat here, uh, Donald in our chat says that Rocky Four alternate universe was excellent. Sly ended up agreeing with the uh, head canon later if you could have done Rocky Four again. I know. You know, I, I watched his uh, behind the scenes of the, the recut of Rocky Four, and he he laid out my fan scripture like exactly. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, that's that's great. I'm sure he didn't watch my video or anything, but that's great that like that kind of idea is out there of Apollo surviving. And it, I still think it was a mistake to kill him because Apollo is such a popular character and it just felt so rushed. Like he just turned babyface in the third movie, just turned into a good guy. And then you're going to, well, I mean, he was, wasn't a, exactly a bad guy in the first two movies, but he was the antagonist, right? So, like, to have him and Rocky be friends, I, I was so excited to see all that, that actually happened. And then in Rocky Four, when him dying just felt like such a rush job. And as I've gotten older, I've still am so confused about that because there's so much more you could have mined from Apollo. And, and how Stallone, like, talks about it in that video, he says that he could have been paralyzed. And what do you do with this character when you take away what he was known for and what he prides himself on, which is being an athlete, being the best at, a, you know, his sport? Um, wouldn't be one of the greatest athletes of all time. And when you take that away, who is he? And like, yeah, that's genius. Why didn't you do that? And that was kind of behind my fanscription for it. So it's too bad we never got to see that. The movie would have been better off. And, you know, the movies, Rocky Five certainly probably would have been a little bit better. But Can you imagine um, if Apollo yeah, was interesting. there for Rocky yeah, Five? You could. I did do a fanscription about that too, um, kind of incorporating Adonis Creed into it as well. I'm just trying to imagine what could have happened, but I mean, it would have been great to have Carl Weathers in there in Rocky Five. Well, you've listened to, of course, uh, going the distance. Are you listening to one more round? Or are you going with us the one more round as well? Or absolutely, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I I only got into it. I think Rocky Three. You guys were covering when I started listening, okay. and I, I wasn't consistent consistently listening until you guys started covering rocky four it's good to hear your your, your thoughts and your your two co-hosts as well like i i love your guys banter it's great 
Well, that's uh, I, I appreciate that. And coming from you, a creator yourself, it's high praise. And I appreciate that. Well, we've mentioned, of course, your love of Rocky. Of course, look at the memorabilia behind you. You've got the Rocky yeah, poster. Still wearing them. We've got a Stallone shirt on today. I'm ready I, to go. I love that shirt. I love that picture of Sly, too. Yeah, and that Rocky. It's great. So yeah, let's do it. But before we okay, well before we get into the where we are in Rambo First Blood Part Two, I gotta ask you, what's your fandom of Rambo, the Rambo franchise, and what's your history with Rambo? I grew up since I was eight years old loving Rocky. So like I can tell you everything about like first watching Rocky and getting into all those movies and everything. Rambo, I kind of put off watching because it, I wasn't sure if I would be into it until I was in high school. So I think I was like fifteen or sixteen when I watched First Blood, and I really, really love First Blood. I think it gets better as it, like the more times I see it, there's more things I noticed notice as a, uh, like I'm kind of an amateur filmmaker too, so like I noticed little things here and there, and how it's kind of a, this smaller self-contained movie. I still really want to read the book, which I have not done yet, but oh, okay. I'm going to eventually. So I'm a huge fan of, of First Blood. The sequel films two and three kind of blend together because it it's like the stereotypical Rambo stuff. Like when everyone thinks of Rambo, I think they think of Rambo two and three. Of course. You know, I saw Rambo 4 uh, as soon as, I guess, just called Rambo. It's so confusing with the names. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I saw the, the 2007 movie or 2008 movie. 2008, yeah. Right. I, I saw that uh, on, on DVD when it came out, and it was just like a gore fest the entire time. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I saw Last Blood in theaters. Was that two years ago now? 2019, um, I think, yeah. Yeah, and it felt like a discount Liam Neeson movie with Rambo in it, which I was I was let down quite a bit from Last Blood. There were some parts I really liked, but only certain scenes. It was just kind of a weird thing where he goes to Mexico and gets the living crap beat out of him for like 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, it was a weird choice, but I do like First Blood a lot. The other Rambo films, I'm kind of like, yeah, they're all right. Like two and three. There's definitely stuff. I just rewatched two last night, and there's definitely like that 80s excess thing in it where it's everything's huge and all these giant explosions, and they got real helicopters chasing each other and all that stuff. And I could really appreciate that. And there are some really creative shots in uh, First Blood Part Two that I really like. But I, I love First Blood, the original. That's kind of where my biggest part of the fandom is. That's about as fair as an assessment you can give regarding the franchise, saying that the other films in any way, shape, or form measure up as far as a film goes with First Blood is, you know, you can't do that. And as I've started to attack Ramble First Blood Part 2, I'm approaching it the way that the film is and the time that it is. Like, we don't, and I know you haven't done this, but we're not comparing it to First Blood. That's Mm -hmm. not the point. And then when Ramble 3 is reviewed... And then when Rambo's reviewed, and then when Rambo were less, but like we could always just easily say it's not as good as first. But I mean, no one wants to hear that for you know right. five five seasons of podcasting. So the beauty of actually reviewing any film piece by piece, sometimes you realize, oh, there's more here than I thought there was, or there's something going on here more than just what it appears to be. And sometimes you're like, oh, there's nothing going on here. First Blood Part Two, I think it's the first one I remember knowing because it came out when I was ten years old. Did you I- see it in theater? No, the first one I saw in theaters was Ramble Part 3. Gotcha. Yeah, and I was still too young. Uh, How old was I? Boy, what year did it come out? 88, I think. Ramble 3 was 88. So I was only 13. My my mom took me and my other brother. uh, Actually, two of my three brothers came with me. Anyways, uh, she took us because we were all under 17 or whatever. It was was rated R. I mean, it's so funny. Isn't it funny to watch Ramble 2 and 3 and, and even First Blood? They're rated R is just shy of what you see on normal NBC TV or AB. Like it's 
part two, there's a little bit more blood, I guess, a little, a little sure. bit. And there's parts of uh, torture kind of shown in that one. But, yeah, it's not too far outside of what oh, we see I, now. There. Have kind you of watched 24, the TV series, for example? Yeah, here and there. I, I okay. didn't watch all of it. I'm just trying to think yeah. of just normal, like, what's not on cable TV, but what I, what I call network television. So the amount of blood and violence and torture scenes just in that great TV series, by the way. But it's just... I mean, it's like there's this Rambo two and three is actually quite quaint. And I think that's why partly Rambo, like the fourth film, probably amped it up a bit. I think that was obviously intentional. I think that was Sly's Sly's way of saying this is no longer the 80s cheese type film. We're now 2008. And it was a lot. And that movie's like 80 minutes. It's just like a nonstop gore fest for that entire time. I don't think they could have made it longer because people would have just would have uh, passed out by then. I I have I have (laughs) a fan description. Hey, you know what? I was going to save this for the Rambo 4 discussion. I'll be very quick because I don't want people to not listen to my fourth season of the show. But Rambo 4, as much as it's, I think it's kind of like loved by a lot of Rambo fans because I think because of the amped up violence, that's not necessarily for me, Ryan, a thing that I need to be gravitated towards. Because, you know, First Blood, for example, it has some very, you know, dark, crazy moments, but it's not quote unquote like a gore fest, right? It's just a tense, strong drama. For Rambo Four, I I did love the uh, you know the a lot of people turning to ground beef moments. That was kind of fun to watch. I agree, but for, here's my fanscription. I wanted that film A to be longer. I thought I thought it was incredibly too short. I thought it was actually almost comically too short. I was like, whoa, we have a whole third act here that's missing. Right. And that third act to me personally. So everything that happened in the film, fine. Just keep it as as it is. They should have just tacked on another twenty minutes. Make it a make it an hour and twenty five or an hour and thirty five minute film, forty minute film. And have the last 20 minutes of him going into the camp stealth style, killing stealth that kind of way, like one man army into the base. So, yeah, he took care of the guys with the big 50 cal. But if you think about that 50 cal scene, as cool as it was, should not have been a finale. It should have been the closing of the third act type thing. And then the fourth act or final act should have been him one on one with the boss, the boss level type fights, like hand to hand. Imagine like the rhyme before ending with a hand to hand fight with him just ripping out the guy's throat or something with his bare hands. I think that would have been right. Or, that's my fan description, a very brief overview. Sure. We saw like the bare hand fighting in, uh, in Last Blood where he yes. tears that guy's heart out. I love that, yeah. <laughs> the most famous thing to come from Rambo 4 is is the meme that it <laughs> removes the gun of Stallone's hands and he's given the, the thumbs up. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, I remember watching that trailer for the first time when Sly or the company released, of course, uh, the unrated trailer and the scene, of course, of him turning that guy into the Jeep into a ground beef. We never see yeah. anything like that. I think that was to indicate, guys, this is a different Rambo film. This is a 2008 Rambo film. So I love all the films for different reasons, but every film, I've had a, something that I would change my own. You know, we all do it. Or we all do our own fan scription, right? We all do our own, like, oh, had I been in charge, I would have done X, Y, Z. Right. What if this happened? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So where we last left off. So we just uh, finished the sequence of Ramble in the mud feces pit, and he was hanging up. Great sequence there of Sly, the actor, of course, kind of hanging on that bamboo or stick cross, and he's coming out of the mud. During that recording, I recorded with John Rivoli. Remember the sequence, of course, with the leeches? on Sly's chest and arm. Now, I had thought Mm -hmm. for years and assumed for years that those looked real because I've seen leeches in real life. I've had leeches on me in real life. And when they got the knife and they scraped them off, like, I don't know, that that seems like a real legit makeup job that they would have the blood on it just after they rip off the... So, John Rivoli, who's friends with Sly in real life, they talk Mm -hmm. to each other quite frankly. I guess I can say this because he didn't say I couldn't. I asked John, don't do this for me. 
you're not doing this for Ryan, but do this for you, John, because he didn't know the answer. And I said, the next time you talk to Sly, just say, hey, I had a question about the leeches in Ramble Part 2. Were those real leeches on you, Sly? We finished our recording, and literally 10 minutes later, he sends me texts. They were real. I just asked Sly. Wow. I can't say I'm surprised because, yeah, they're flicking those things off, and it looks very real. <laughs> Impressive. I, I think Sly doesn't get enough credit for his – I mean, I, his fans give him credit. I think outside the fandom, I think people – I wonder what Sly will be remembered for when all is said and done, when his life's over, and maybe like 30 years from now when we're for sure that he's dead. <laughs> like, I don't know how long this guy's going to live, but, <laughs> but let's say 30 years from now, we, we could pretty much ascertain he'll be dead in 30 years. So – I wonder if people will remember just how much he put into the film as an action star. You know, with the first blood landing on the tree, he was the third guy in that stunt fall. That was him. He cracked his ribs. Uh, he had those real rats on him, leeches on him. You know, he breaks his neck doing expendables. I mean, this guy was doing it before Tom Cruise. You know, everyone, and rightfully so, compliments Tom Cruise with his physical acting and stunts. But Sly was doing it first. Yeah. I mean, you always hear the story about how in Rocky Four, when he's hit from uh, Dolph Lundgren, he has to go to the hospital because it moved his heart and all this stuff. Um, he's constantly getting hurt on his movies. So, uh, but he, you know, he's very dedicated to his craft and wants things to look as real as possible. So, I mean, I hope people do remember that. It's going to be Rocky that is going to be the everlasting character and um, legacy that that he has. But I hope people do remember the action stuff that he did, but not the. Stuff like Stop or My Mom Will Shoot or Rhinestone or, you know, like I hope it's it's Rambo, maybe The Expendables that, that people will recall, those gritty action films. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of what he'd be remembered for, I find it interesting, of course, Sly is very active on his Instagram. His profile picture of Instagram is actually Rambo. Oh, Ram- there you the, go. The Rambo character. So, you know, he's choosing the profile picture. So it's interesting that he chose the Rambo character as the profile picture. Right. Doesn't he have a statue at his house of Rambo? Well, he did in Florida, but my understanding is Adele, the singing pop star there, Adele bought his mansion in Florida from Sly about a few months ago, three to six months ago. Anyways, uh, the statue, last I heard, was there when Sly left the house. Now, whether he took the statue with him later, I don't know. But either Adele has the statue or... or yeah, so that's Ro- hilarious. Yeah, so Adele Sly- might have a Rambo statue. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, no, the Rocky one. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, right. the, the Rambo statue. I, yeah, no, he has he has a Rambo statue at his house, doesn't he? Or he did at one I don't point. Oh, Rambo. I know the Rocky one. He had one of the replicas from okay. the. Uh, well, it's actually not a replica. It's the exact same. Like whatever's at the steps in Philly, he had yeah, it in his Florida cool. home. Yeah, I could have sworn I saw there some Rambo statue, like a bronze statue in his backyard or something. Oh, once. maybe he, there is a wooden one in Hope, British Columbia, where First Blood was filmed. There is a wooden one which I'm going to visit. Probably 2024. Cool. Yeah, because I'm actually, uh, if this matters, but I'm moving to Alberta, which is east of where I'm living now, and I have to drive through Hope, British Columbia to go there uh, for my military posting. So we're going to make a stop, of course, in Hope, British Columbia in 2024. Cool. And I'll probably on season four or five or maybe done this series. I don't know by then. I'll, I'll get a picture anyways with the uh, with the Rambo wooden statues. Great. So. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. Okay. Yeah, that was the sequence we just saw. And so the Russian soldier, of course, has landed. Rambo's about to be brought in for some further interrogation here. course that vietnamese or zvicon soldier or whatever captain that's in this group that we know his end that he meets later but 
I mentioned this in the previous episode, but you might find this interesting. In the book written by David Morrell, and I didn't mention this in the last episode, but David Morrell, he wrote, of course, the novelization for part two, even though the character, not really a spoiler anymore, the character in his first book dies. And mm-hmm. he started the second book with the uh, foreword by the author. It said, in my book, First Blood, Rambo dies. In the films, he lives. And that's just how he addresses that concept. So, and yeah, that's the easiest way to approach that. Right. <laughs> this captain guy, just a little, people can take it for what it's worth. He is actually the same guy that, remember the scene in First Blood where he chops his chest up and tortures him? Yeah. Oh, there's the same dude. Yeah. So David Morrell wants the readers to think it's the same. It's, he makes it, and this is kind of a, a B plot or C plot in the book that it's the same guy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's an interesting connection. Yeah. And what David Morrell used, he used three different things to make that book. He used the original shooting script, which we see on mm-hmm. screen, James Cameron's original script, the uh, and David Morrell's authorship to combine the two and create some sub stories and backstories about the character and stuff. We get more stuff from Bramble's life as younger and all that stuff. It's very interesting. So I can't recommend highly enough Ramble fans. If you're a Ramble fan, you kind of want to geek out and get some, you know, again, fan scription. You want to get some like official fan scription from the creator of Ramble. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, yeah, I got to check that out. Yeah. I'm disappointed you didn't go back to Fu Manchu, though. Should have brought that back for this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fu Manchu was awesome. In the book, it's very clear in the book that this POW camp was the same camp that Ramble was in. in this oh, program. okay. That's now, interesting. So, so it's directly the same place he was at before. That's right. So it's the same captain or the mm-hmm. same whatever leader of the troop. And it's mentioned why is he still here. And Ramble assumes that maybe this guy is just a piece of crap anyways. And he can't get promoted or posted out of this unit. So that's why he's still there. It's like specifically said that this is the same camp. However, it is mentioned in the film. When you go back to the first scene when Troutman's talking to Ramble through the chain link fence... It is briefly and quickly mentioned, but it's never talked about again, so it's very easy for everyone to forget. Troutman says, something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing here, like, the reason why you've been hired to go back to this camp is because you know it best because you were there, type thing. I know, it's so, like, blah, you know? That's how he was able to navigate the camp the way he did and the ins and outs, but they never, yeah, it's oddly edited. You can easily put in that idea that this is where he got out of before because he just navigates it so well but it's never really fleshed out in the film so the casual film goer won't even connect that Rambo knows this camp because this was where he was before wow that's interesting yeah that's all thank you Captain Vin leave one guard please <laughs> I see you are no stranger to pain. Perhaps you have been among my Vietnamese comrades before. Hmm? No answer. So I like that look right there that Sly gives. So again, very yeah. you know, when you break this down scene by scene, there's a lot going on here. He actually says that it looks like you've been A, you're no stranger to pain because you know he's been choked and punched. He's not barely making any sounds or reacting. He goes, Oh, it looks like you've been around these guys before. And then Rambo looks at him like damn straight i have yeah right the rambo glare is a an, an intense one for sure and this actor uh his name i mentioned before in the last episode but let me get it again yeah steven burkoff so he's like mm. 80 something now he's still alive he still acts on stage i reached out to him on his instagram 
That's all I could find. And I don't think these celebrity guys ever look at their Instagram messages. If you're not a friend of theirs or if they don't follow you, they don't see your request. But I would love to talk to him because I think he did a great job in this film. Oh, for sure. I, I've seen him before in some other movies too, but I can't place his face into what films. Well, you might recognize him from Octopussy. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Clockwork Orange. Mm, all right, there you go. Beverly Hills Cop. All right. I knew he had a familiar face. Yeah, all right. he's, he's one of those, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just one of those actors who just typecast himself as the Russian. Great role or great typecasting for an 80s. You could spend a whole decade, decade and a half playing the bad Russian guys. Hey, speaking of Russians, we, they're the bad guys again, so he can, he can do it again for hey, I know, it's all come back around. When I was watching this yesterday, I was like, well, some things never change again. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> so true and terrible at the same time. Now, the big bodyguard in the back, John gave a great story about his name is oh, Vosilav Govaderka. Govaderka. Yeah, uh, All right. he was born in Gakko, Bosnia in 1940. He's the, the big dude. Well, he was a bodyguard yeah. type individual. And guess who discovered him? Want to have any guesses who discovered this big bodyguard? Stallone. Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> Did he almost put him in Rocky Five? Is yeah, he almost no. the next guy? I just love it. Like Stallone discovered Dolph, discovered Mr. T, brought in Hulk Hogan. Right. He loves these big meathead guys. I love it. So, anyways, <laughs> so again, if you haven't for some reason, if you're listening to this episode, which is very possible because you're a fan of Walter and his work, I would recommend at the very least go back to episode, boy, what is it, five. And listen to the great story that John gives about this actor. And he was with Sly when Voyo Gorick met Sly and John randomly in like L.A. or something. It was a very interesting little story. Yeah. Well, do you wish to give your name? Now, what possible harm can that cause? Pride is a poor substitute for intelligence. What you must understand is that we have to interrogate you. To Sergeant Yushin here, you are a piece of meat, a laboratory experiment. But to me, you are a comrade, similar to myself, just opposed by an act of fate. It's all great dialogue there. Yeah, for sure. I remember very clearly the heating up the knife thing, too. He just leaves it there for a long time. Yeah, it's a great foreshadow. You know, he's just casually walking around with the knife. Of course, Ramble's looking at it. And he puts it in the uh, barbecue <laughs> grill or whatever. To, right. Yeah, we're like, wonder what's going to happen here. Basically, this is good cop, bad cop. He's saying, hey, look, you're a comrade. You're just, you know, it's just fate that I was born in Russia. You were born in the States. And this is actually very true in its own way that soldiers rarely have a beef with whatever country they're told to fight. So, oh, I guess we're fighting. I guess we're fighting the Russians. I guess we're fighting the Vietnamese. I guess we don't like Vietnamese people. The mm -hmm. average 20-year-old kid doesn't have a beef with another country. Right. What team were you born on? It's really kind of crazy. I don't get all political. But really, at the end of the day, war, and I'm a, I'm a military person myself, so I get it. Like, I'm in the Navy, and if I'm assigned to go on a ship that's going to go to battle against whatever country, okay, I guess they're the enemy. I don't want to be enemies right. with anybody, but I guess that's what we've signed up to do, yeah. Right. I mean, like his dedication to his country is a is still a big deal. I mean, at the, the last few lines of the movie or him talking about I'd kill, you know, I, I'd die for America, basically, when Troutman confronts him with that. Yeah. Um, and he has the big line at the end about, you know, that he wishes that uh, America loved the, the Vietnam vets as much as they loved their own country. So, I mean, he's a, he's a patriot. I and mean, we could say that we don't we don't ever see him treated well by the U.S. like at all. <laughs> but no. he does love his country. 
Absolutely. Yeah, he does. And it's a great yeah, it's a great ending too. Doesn't right. cry as doesn't cry as much in part two as he did in part one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> too, too manly to cry in part two. Uh-huh. Tea, yeah, they got tea going here at the same time as they're cooking the knife. Have okay. some tea, yeah, some yeah. Russian tea. That's the best. <laughs> I know you are trying to facilitate the release of war criminals held by this republic. I can appreciate this. But this incident, your capture is embarrassing it's total bonjolin stuff here too so that that totally fits <laughs> with his role in octopussy yeah no kidding i love how he says his capture is embarrassing he refers to the pow's as criminals as war criminals again depends what side you're on right mm-hmm. true so now he wants to know why are you here we have to have an explanation of what brought you to this place of course rambles easy lines for slide to memorize he's got nothing to say here a lot of physical acting mm-hmm. first of all I wish you to radio your headquarters and say that you have been captured and condemned for espionage activities and that no such criminal aggression should be attempted in the future or they will meet with the same fate as yours. Is that the only time we've heard Rambo say that in the series? He says it in Rambo 3, not to the, when, um, yeah, he says it uh, to Troutman when they're in the trench, when they got the whole mm-hmm. army, the Russian army on them, and he goes, F them, or whatever it was, when they come in on uh, on Rambo and Troutman. Uh, but that's, right. I don't think he, I don't think he curses again that I can remember. Yeah, I don't know why I always find it weird when Stallone does curse. I don't know why that is. It He does do it, but it's... It's kind of like Clint Eastwood. You don't hear Clint Eastwood do it all that much, but he does it. Right. Most of the time with Rambo, he just gives you like a, a death stare to have him actually say F you. It's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> he's. Uh, I guess he's uh, more serious now. Look at the face now. Of- he's pissed. Yeah. You wish to test your strength. Good. Good. That's great. You wish to test your strength. What a great response. I mean, this guy plays the villain perfectly, cast perfectly. You know, he's been told to, to screw off, and he's like, oh, all right, we're going to have some fun here. You want to see how much pain you can take. Yeah, he's, he's got the, the, the back and forth really well. His responses are great. It, just you can see it in his face, especially with, you know, it being in, in Vietnam and everything, it, like all the sweat and everything. It just makes him seem so slimy visually. The line delivery is great. Now, I know this is obviously a movie, but we know torture happens. Not to get all sad or anything, but I, I just don't get how... I couldn't do it, even if I knew someone was an enemy. I don't know how much I could. Could you torture someone? I I guess you got to be. Could I? No. No. Could you, <laughs> Walter? Uh, I, I don't think I could, unless you don't like my videos, then they could be tortured. But yeah. I think people are tortured by listening to my show, so that's probably enough. So maybe I am torturing people. Yeah. It's the opposite. This is pleasurable activity. Oh, okay. All right. I yes. That. I mean, it's 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 intense stuff, especially when we get to that. I don't know if we're going to get to yeah, that on the uh, yeah. episode here, but him. <laughs> <laughs> when he's just strapped up there, I guess we'll talk about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I love that. Lucian. He comes in. Now, we're hearing now a little uh, moped coming up. Of course, we, we right. knew, yeah, we knew earlier that Cole and Rambo saw earlier in the film that the whore from the village, I love how she calls her, the whore from the village came in and now she's going to disguise herself as the whore from the village to come in and give the uh, soldiers happy time. So that's how she comes up to the gate and gets let in. Mm-hmm. I should note in the book, they do flesh out Rambo and Co's, I would say, emotional yes. relationship. I, 
it's so ridiculous how they have like two scenes together. They kiss once and then she's immediately like turned into Swiss cheese. I love it. Like right after. It's almost comical. Um, and he's so affected by it. Yeah, I mean, he would be affected by it, I think, but we didn't get to see them, their relationship get fleshed out. So that's interesting to, to hear that it is in the, mo- in, the, uh, in the book. Yeah, it's still short in the book because the timeline is the same, but they definitely have a connection and uh, they talk more and connect more regarding their hopes and dreams type thing and, right. and what have you. you. They could have stood to put a few more minutes to that in this movie. This movie is like an hour 35. They could have put five more minutes of to establish their relationship. Yeah. I don't know if you caught this on one of my Twitters. I said that according to David Morrell, the creator of the character, he did Rambo dirty. He made him a virgin. He's still a virgin in this film. Oh, okay. Yeah, because <laughs> did uh, know that. Yeah, when he went to Vietnam, he was, he was steady with his high school sweetheart and he went to Vietnam out of high school. He never finished. And when he came back from Vietnam, she married. Uh, and so he just never yeah. found love again after after that. And then the rest is history, yeah. Right. Now, that's interesting. Of course, the Sly character or the Sly actor is older by 10 years than the Ramble character in the books. But still, he, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Bull guy. Chào mọi người. Mày ác con em. Em đi đâu vậy? Chốt tập em bao trái. Em bao dân thanh sĩ. Anh to này à? I really wish I knew what they were saying because they're—I mean—they are speaking Vietnamese. Something probably I don't know. We could, we could guess. I don't know. Uh, it is interesting that they don't have subtitles for most of the Vietnamese dialogue in this. Yeah, and especially when Rambo and Co were speaking again in the book, David Morrell gives you the English. He just translates it for you what they said, and I forget exactly. I'll just—I can't recommend part two enough. It's a great read. Uh, it just fleshes out this movie so much more, and it gives you more of an appreciation for the film because you put in what David Morrell wants the characters thinking. You watch that in the film. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I'm listening to the audiobook. I listen to the audiobooks in my car. And the author, I guess it's allowed, I'm not sure, but he talks with a Vietnamese accent when he gets to the Vietnamese characters. I don't know if that's allowed. I don't. Oh, well. I, it's just interesting to hear he goes, This he's a Caucasian guy. He sounds Caucasian. I don't know what it's, but you know, you can kind of tell when someone just talks. Maybe you know, right. he doesn't sound Irish. He doesn't sound Australian. And But when he goes to the Vietnamese characters, he. He, he full on does it, huh? Yeah. Well. I'm sure that was recorded a little while ago, but still, it is. Uh, it's you know, the, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know. Is that allowed? I don't know I if it's allowed. It's, uh, I mean, I personally wouldn't have a problem with that, but no. I'm not Vietnamese, so like, no, it's, I don't uh, you care. Know. It's it's just weird mm-hmm. because that's just how they sound. So it's weird. We get so wrapped up in this. I don't even know what's allowed anymore. But I'm not offended. I just, right. but I remember thinking, oh, I guess we're allowed to do that. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. I love the pose. Can we just talk about he's literally in like the muscle pose up here like this <laughs> to, to be tortured. And I remember Stallone in the, the Rocky Four recut documentary talking about some of those shots were all vanity of him. I was like, yeah, that makes total sense because this is so ridiculous. He's being tortured and it's terrible, but he is just flexing the entire time. No, this is the big good. body shot for Stallone. Yeah. It's it's hilarious from like a behind the scenes perspective to see it. I mean, it's terrible that Ram was being tortured and all this stuff, but it's just like, I mean, they, they pulled no punches with like, I got to show off every single muscle in my upper body here. Everything. 
<laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. I don't have much more to add to that. Then yeah, when you're seeing yeah, this as a kid, like, you're you're not thinking. Kid. Didn't notice it when I was younger, but of course rewatching like you in our adult years, because now we're starting to think about how this film was made. So of course Sly's like, okay, I got an idea. I got an idea. Look, they're gonna torture me for some information, and then then they're like, well, why don't we just waterboard you? No, 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 waterboarding. That, that's <laughs> that. I agree. That's really brutal. Like, well, why don't we uh, break some fingers? Yeah, yeah, we'll break some. No, 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 no. How about my shirt comes off. Hear me out. My shirt comes off. Okay. I'm put onto this like steel bed frame thing, magic against the wall. Okay. And he, but I'll be standing, right? I want to be standing. And, and they got me hooked up to this. The electricity goes through your body all the same. Your arms don't have to be up this way. They could be tied behind your back and the electricity right. still. He had, to, he had to go up. I mean, and when he's, when he gets tortured, he gets electrocuted. I mean, he's flexing everything. It's just like, it is so ridiculous looking at that from, from that perspective but i mean this is like stallone at his most in, in shape right i mean this oh, is rocky four time so he's in great shape also you know re-watching this yesterday when he walks he does that saunter i was like oh that's the rocky four saunter i don't know if it's because he's got more muscle on him than usual but how he walks i mean i just think of him walking up to drago and, and for the the fight at the end of the film it's like the same the same kind of pace he has every right to be proud of what he's done with his body He's got sure. it. Yeah, he's got every right. He looks to great. He looks great, and he, and he did the right thing. He's got this on celluloid forever. It's forever mm-hmm. captured on film. This was me back in my 40, 41 years old. This is how I looked, and uh, the rest of you can suck it. Was he forty? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, well, he's seventy six now, and this came out right. thirty seven years ago. What's the math on that? Right, eighty five. Sure. Yeah. Good so, on him. Man. Yeah, good on him. Good. <laughs> I'm forty six, and I don't look like that. I'm 33. I've never looked anything like that. <laughs> but here's the beauty of us being just normal. This is what I always say about being normal. Like I, I like to eat well and I do jog and I like to be healthy. But without yeah. worrying about the big muscle math or, or physique type stuff, is I, I don't have to worry about losing it. I don't have to worry about the maintaining because once you have it, then it's like okay, now nah, because nah, at some point you either stop or you're doing this till you die. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'll just stay healthy. You know, healthy right. diet, healthy run. I don't need to be, you know, have the six pack and biceps because then you're, then you have to do it forever. Right. Yeah. I think your way is the way to go. I think so. But of course he's worth $500 million. Right. I mean, he's got to look good. So, I mean, again, looks good. It's just a ridiculous scene to see now. (laughs) Look at that cord, uh, the cords in his biceps. What is it? I know. I know. Holy moly. I don't think I've ever seen that kind of, like he has muscles on top of his muscles. He's He's just, he's a big dude. Corded veins or whatever that is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right there. Yeah, is this like that? Yep. So I do love how they're electric- electrocuting them, and it's I love the subtle, they're drawing energy from the village, that they're pounding yeah. so much electricity in them that it's actually dimming the lights throughout the village. Yeah, that, that that's a good couple shots. Way to build up like how much he's really being hurt. Comrade, here is something that might be of interest to you. A transcript of the conversation between your helicopter oh, here pilot and his commander. We intercepted this is very good too because you can assume and this again i'm in the navy and we always operate under the assumption that everything we say and do is being intercepted you kind of have to 
especially with today's technology. Mm-hmm. So you you do your best with code words, which you know he does his code words, and he even says, "Oh, that's a clever that's a clever nickname for home base or whatever." They know they know the code words, and they have them too. You do your best with what you can, but I love how he's now going to read to Ramble, try to give him a cognitive dissonance here, saying, "Hey, the people that you're protecting don't care about you." You know, how do you like how right. do you like them apples? It is a valid point. I mean, Charles Napier has just totally left him there, and we see what happens. But yeah, I mean, like he's making good points here. I mean, the United States has never really shown Rambo any love at all. I mean, like he's gone through all these problems coming back home from Vietnam and now being involved in this. I mean, it's just history repeating itself here. So I'm not saying he would ever join the other side, but the U.S. has not. No. Shown Rambo any love. <laughs> and to be clear, he's not doing this for his country right now. He's doing this for the guys in the camp. That's right. To get them out, to get them right. home. Because he knows what they're going through. Because he knows, he said in the book he was there for six months or six weeks. I can't remember, but not a long time. And these guys have been here for years. So he knows the pain right. and suffering they're going through. Right. That that one line uh, where the guy asks what year it is and says it's 1985. And that look, just that like, oh my God, what? Yeah. He's been there for that long. Uh, that was uh, some great uh, acting by that guy. I don't know his name, but like just those facial expressions. I mean, he really played up, you know, the POW type very well. I wonder who got those roles. Like, hey, we need to hire like five or six guys who don't eat food. Right. There's some skinny actors. <laughs> some really skinny guys. We'll bring them in. Be real authentic. Just got to dirty up their teeth. Dragonfly Wolf Den. Colorful names. Here we are. We have them in sight. And the reply, abort the operation immediately. This is a recall. Confirmed. Over. It seems you were abandoned on direct command. And these are the people you protect with your pain. That's a great line. These are the people you protect with your pain. I like that line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's doing great here. I love... The good old-fashioned bad guys in these films. We don't have enough of these anymore. I think the Mission Impossible films do a good job of keeping that up. Even the James Bond films. We don't have enough of other films giving us these classic bad guys. I understand the uh, the point of trying to humanize your villain because a lot of the times that could make for a more interesting character overall and a more interesting story. But once in a while, you just need a, a good bad guy who's bad just because he's bad. And he's, and you got to get a really good actor in there to read those lines and portray that character but we yeah we don't get that a lot nowadays increase the voltage i think he said in russian there is no shame so he's told yushin to increase the voltage on the on the electricity what i love here he says i give you permission to scream there's no shame in that what i really kind of like it one that shows this guy ramble has not shown any real indication he's any like he doesn't Ah, you know, I step on a piece of Lego and I curse to high heaven. You know, this guy. <laughs> I, think, I think even Rambo would scream stepping on a Lego. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, maybe Lego was the best example. But, you know, but he's getting this voltage room, but he's going to get a lot more now. And what I love is that Rambo does scream, which indicates to us, the audience, does, how much yeah. pain he's actually in now. If now if Rambo is truly screaming in pain. Can you imagine what you and I would you know, be experiencing? Because you've been taught to right. ignore pain. Yeah, can't ignore this, though. I like it was in First Blood where they asked him is that if that's working. or It's in one of the Rambo movies, and he says, like, not really. That's right. Oh, what, what was that? Okay, maybe somebody just Ten three. Maybe. I, I can't was, remember if that was in one or three, but they ask him, like, oh, we're taught to ignore pain. He's like, is it working? He says, not really. Oh, so. that's right. It must be part three. Because part three was the uh, Rambo three, the comedy. So it had more of uh, Right. Yeah. It probably was three. Love that the shots of the prisoners hearing the scream. 
great flexing here. Right. I mean, he's doing a great job. At, I mean, it's not easy to look like you're in that much pain. No. And he's doing a great job. That, that non-verbal acting Stallone does so well. He does an amazing job in this film again. Strong. Very strong. Even the Russian leader here recognizes, boy, you are strong, as he starts choking him a little bit. Strong. He says the strongest so far. Now we're going to see what's coming up. Like He recognizes, okay, we can't get the information we need from this guy, so we can't hurt him as much as we need to, so we're going to have to think of something else here. Strongest so far, <clears throat> but you're nearly dead. For what? Make the radio call. All right, so of course, for our listeners who aren't seeing us on YouTube, uh, Ko is just dispatched of a Viet Cong soldier, has taken his weapon, and she's going to set herself up to uh, help Rambo escape because he's not expendable. Right. I love I love the line. It's, a, it's such a, uh, I don't know, foreshadow for real-life events. <laughs> you got to wonder, what Sly created, because he created the Expendable series, I mean, mm-hmm. and he wrote this film. Did he know? In 30 or 20 years, whatever, he was going to make a, no, an Expendables not, no, movie? No, no, when he made the Expendables films, did he go, like, oh, yeah, I wrote oh, that. Oh, go, I highly doubt it, because it seems like he doesn't remember continuity or anything he does in other films anyway. I mean, the Rocky franchise is the perfect example of that. So I'm going to say no. He just likes the word Expendable. Uh, Donald said that he likes the, what, what does headcanon mean anyways when someone says headcanon? Head cannon is just like what you think is is happening on oh. screen. So if if you want to imagine like something else happened, like I'm gonna ignore what happened in the movie. I'm gonna think it happened this way. That's oh. head cannon. Okay, so he says he likes the head cannon. Thank you. That the other POWs were Rambles' friends in the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw the cartoon. I've seen like little clips here and there, but it's just it's crazy no. that they made a, a cartoon series out of Rambo. No. No, we're not gonna. I'm not reviewing that. Maybe You're for not a bonus, review it. Well, oh. maybe for a bonus episode, I'll do something stupid and I'll do like the the first episode or something. I just I can't. But maybe when the series is over, give me something to do a bonus episode of some sort. Yeah. Sure. All right. So now they've brought in his friend. Talk to obey would be so much easier. Yashin. Classic bad guy stuff, hurting the other people. Yep. Well, it's actually effective, really, because it's one thing for you to feel pain, but when your lack of talking is going to affect somebody else's pain, the whole reason why he's here is to help these guys. They've already been through enough, is what he's thinking, too. Like, these guys, yeah, now they're going to get injured or hurt because I'm here. And the knife's coming back into play. Here we go. Yashin has a memento for you of this occasion. So, yeah, Yashin's holding the knife, and the tip is... It's so hot that it's like white gold hot. That's actually, I don't know how they did that effect. I don't know if it was really heat on it or what, but it's a really cool effect. This 85, so I don't know what they used on the end of that blade to make it look like it was on fire. They could have just really heated it up, maybe. <laughs> it, it could be as simple as that, that it's just that hot, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, this scene here. Again, watch this practical effect. So, again, 85, no CGI. They've got the knife point on Sly's face, or Rambo's face, of course, in the film, but the actor, Sly, has got this point, and it does leave a crease on his skin. I'm just watching, trying to figure out how they did this practically. I'm just, obviously, Sly, don't at me that you had a real hot knife on your cheek. Okay, some things we just know, (laughs) you did not cut your skin. I really scarred my face for this film. (laughs) Maybe I'll just have John ask Sly, was that a real hot knife? Okay, if that comes back with a yes, I'm not going to believe anything Sly says anymore. So I'm not going to ask, because I don't want to hear the answer. Sure. <laughs> ah, 
It's a great effect. And then they got smoke coming out of it. It's awesome. So you could see like right before that the the knife goes into his face that there's there's a little line there. It's like where you're supposed to cut kind of. I was almost thinking, speaking of headcanon, maybe that was like an old scar that they literally reopened. That would be kind of cool because the whole movie is him going back to Vietnam. So that would be like a cool thing to expound upon. But uh, it looks great. I mean, like there's literally smoke coming out of the, the quote unquote wound or the makeup. Well said. Uh, to add to that, what you just said, the headcanon. I'm like, boy, I'm learning something new to say headcanon. Look at his face here where he almost looks, well, he looks traumatized. Like, he, it hurt him to be cut, but he almost looks like he's there again. He's being cut up again. Right. It looks like, oh, I'm here again. He looks, I wouldn't say defeated, but almost, because in the book he talks about how they don't think about being where they are, that they put themselves in other places. So right here, he's just, he's somewhere else almost. Right. Put it in his eye. Like, you like that look back? He, you know, put it in his eye. Huh? Huh? Who's I? This guy? Oh, means nothing to you, then perhaps he's does. Don't tell them anything. You will talk. I got that close to his eye. That blade yeah. is right by his eye. So I don't know what they're using to make it light up like that. So maybe it's just a plastic part of the blade, and they got a little light it's in gotta there. Got to be just lit up somehow. It's can't. I don't think they'd put no. that hot of a knife, right, or a knife in general, close to someone's eye like that. But great effect. But then again, it was the '80s. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Size so like man. If you lose an eye, you lose an eye, man. It's part of the game when you're in a Rambo film. Right. You live forever on on celluloid. Celluloid forever. Watch you not a show. <laughs> So Rambo agrees that he'll talk. The Russian commander's all excited. I love how they throw the poor guy down and they just kick him for good measure. The the uh, yeah. <laughs> that guy's just been through so much. Years and years of torture. It's crazy. Now that, that music changed. And of course, they're showing Cole going through the village. She's scouting out where to find Rambo. Mm-hmm. Jerry Goldsmith came back for this one, right? That's right, yeah. He was uh, yeah, this one great. in part three. Mm. He was a great composer, one of the greats. Right, that was one of the shots I was talking about. Like, they really pull out some really cool ways to showcase things there. And just the lightning strike showing the uh, Viet Cong soldier right there. It was great. I love how they did that. That was really well done. Don't do it. So the POW says, okay, don't do it, because they've put Rambo in front of the mic. He's like, don't do it. It stomps for his trouble there. Yeah, he gets stomped for um, Speaking of those good shots, I mean, that, that's one of my favorites. Another one um, was when Rambo was underneath one of those cabins or whatever you want to call them. And I think it's when one of the girl, one of the guys is with one of the prostitutes, and like you, the, the camera goes over them, and you see Rambo's eyes between the cracks. Love that shot as well. That's a great shot, yeah. I agreed. And that was, well, it's the same captain that he, in the book, when he saw that guy, he recognized him as the same one that tortured him. Hey, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Do it now. Podolsky, that's his name. Podolsky. Yeah, that's right. Of course, I love how we already he- we're hearing the, the thunder crash, the lightning, the tensions rising, the storms coming. Yeah. It builds up to a great moment. Yeah. The time is perfect. I wonder if Rambo said afterwards, was that cool, you know, when uh, I held the mic and the the lightning crash at the same time? <laughs> in fact, it actually happened to one of my favorite films I've mentioned before in the show, uh, Tombstone. 
It's one yeah. of my favorite Pop- films. Yeah. All, yeah, with the part where White Earp is like, you tell him I'm coming, and yes. he's coming Elf with coming. me. Yeah. Yes. And the thunder crashes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Send us, me- us a message, people, where great thunder crashes help uh, sell a scene. Yeah. Now she's looking through the floorboards. Right. Another uh, callback shot, I guess. 22056. Lone Wolf. Receive. Lone Wolf. 22056. Lone Wolf. This is Wolfden. Transmit location and status. Over. What is it? Wolf. It's Rambo, sir. Receive. We read you, Lone Wolf. Is it it's just me? Whenever I see Charles Napier, I think of the good old boys from the Blues Brothers. That's the, the first thing my head always goes to. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm not familiar enough with the film to uh, to know the reference, but I know the film, but not the character. Yeah, okay. I'll have to Google that afterwards. What's sure, the name? Blues Brothers, one of my favorite. Uh, Charles Napier? No, about? the uh, the character that references. Oh, the character? I, what is, I can't remember his first name, but he's like the leader of the good old boys band oh. that the, the Blues Brothers impersonates at Bob's Country Bunker, and then they meet at the end. It's pretty great. Okay. Oh, boy, I haven't seen that in a long time. Blues Brothers, I mean, I'm from like the Chicago area, so Blues Brothers is like the Bible over here almost in visual form <laughs> in oh, a nice. lot of ways. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah. Of course, now Murdoch, uh, Charles Napier plays Murdoch. He's like, uh, cool, we're getting a call from Rambo. That's oh, right. great. He's like, oh, he's live, I guess. Dang it. Position over. I say again, what is your position? Your friend dies if you do not answer. Johnny, this is Troppin. Where the hell are you? I love it. So they're, he's not answering. They're asking, where are you and what have you? And Troutman goes, come on, Rambo, where are you, man? And I love the big the big Russian guy, you know, pulls his head back. And the other guy says, right. yeah. Like my family also, I'm, I'm half Italian. So oh. like we all, yeah, we all love Stallone, love the Rocky movies. My uncles were huge Rocky fans. And they also loved Rambo. Um, they also they always quote Troutman saying Johnny Johnny like all the time. So whenever I hear that, I instantly think of my uncle saying Johnny. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, the Italians they love Rocky, don't they? Yeah. Oh yeah, we love Rocky. That's awesome. John, come in. He's torn here, right? He recognizes like, uh, you know, if I don't. Yeah, say he anything, doesn't know what to do. Yeah, he's torn because they don't know his predicament. He's got the his POW friend. Who's going to die, apparently, if he doesn't say anything. But he also recognizes, I've got Troutman asking me to come in. This is his father. like, And they make that very clear in the book, David Morrell, that Troutman is the father that he never had. He is his only family. He's the only person he trusts. the only person that he cares about. Now he's Troutman's asking, hey, John, t- t- you know, talk to me. If you heard that little click, click, click sound, and uh, people on iTunes, what have you, that's of course when Rambo grabs the uh, mic stand, and we all right. love love that moment because you you can hear he, the he knuckles cracking. All this. Yeah, yeah, you could hear like every little sound effect in his arm and everything in this. <laughs> I love that. Nobody's ever grabbed the microphone like that before. We just no. <laughs> <laughs> Murdoch. He's here. I love that. He goes in. Yeah. Can I talk to Murdoch, please? Right, right. I love the reaction. Murdoch's like, huh? Uh. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, he's going to play it off. Hey, hey, Rambo, well, you know, I'm glad you're yeah. okay. We'll, we'll come get you. Yeah, right. We'll come pick you up. Rambo, this is Murdoch. We're glad you're alive. Where are you? <laughs> that grin. Give us your position and we'll come to pick you up.
Here we go. Murdoch. I'm coming to get you. All right. Love it. <laughs> what a great moment. What a great moment. It, it, it Just is knuckles cracking, forearms flexing, the, the mic like crush. He's like crushing the microphone in his <laughs> That's one of the most intimidating Stallone moments, I think, in his whole career. Yeah. It, Just it, Murdoch coming to get you. It's well, great. Now we're finally – we've gotten to this – like there's only 35 minutes left of film. Through the whole first first blood film, we never saw Rambo quite unleashed. He was on a leash. He was kind of constricted by, of course, by the script. But he didn't want to kill fellow National Guardsmen. He didn't want to kill citizens in the films, anyways. In the film version of Rambo, you know, he didn't want to do that. Here, he was sent on a mission to take pictures. He gets captured. He's killed a couple of guys to get a prisoner. W. Like he's still kind of within this constraint of the rules, the orders. But this mm-hmm. moment is now a combination of everything. Of we, he's finally unleashed. He's got no more orders. He's got no more pickup point times. He's he's now able to just to do what he wants, how he wants to get out of this situation. This also reminds me of this moment where he grabs the microphone and says, "You know, Murdoch can come." I remember seeing this as a kid, thinking, "Yeah." And this reminds me of the Rocky II moment when Adrian says, "Win." Oh, sure, great moment. It reminds me of that same thing of. Like you know. it's about to get real here. Like I love that they they cut to Murdoch too for a second. He's like, oh no. Yeah. Oh, Looks yeah. like he just pissed himself a little bit. He's scared. Absolutely. I want to keep going. That would we be- got to stop. I understand. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, this is so much fun. But I think the next sequence, of course, of the of them escaping, probably if I'm just looking at it right now, will probably end the next episode with possibly the Co's uh, demise. I don't want to spoil anything because I can't imagine anyone's listening. Right. To this. I can imagine if someone's listening to this podcast who's never seen the films. Uh, yeah, I mean, you should go watch the Rambo movies before yeah. you listen to that. I would recommend watching <laughs> least, the Rambo film. Or at least follow along. It's fun to, if you want to do that that way, that's also fun. First and foremost, thank you so much for coming on, uh, spending uh, some of your hard-earned time off between all your projects uh, with a ham and egger like me to do this. Uh, from one ham and egger to another. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> oh, very kind. Very kind, Walter. And I would love to have you on again if you're willing to, to come on a future season. Oh, absolutely. If you guys ever need a substitute for a Rocky podcast for one more round, anytime. You just let me know. Well, those do happen. Uh, our last two episodes, actually, we did uh, uh, Kyle couldn't make one and then Katie couldn't make it. Uh, so, yeah. So when that happens again. You'll be my first call for that. So thank you for that. So excited. Great. So thank you so much, uh, Walter, for coming on the show again. uh, Your time was appreciated. Your thoughts and your commentary was awesome. Unfortunately, however, this episode is over. Nothing is over. Nothing. It's just don't turn it off.